0: Welcome back to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake County News. We've got a very, very unique show in in store for you today. Trevor Bowden could not be with us. He is out of town and could not return before we recorded this show on Thursday. So you got me. And and for the first part of this show, the, the high school segment that we always do, I'm doing it Han style, solo. And then after that, we're going to bring in Will Petty of the Ball and Bulletin. We're going to talk about college football and NFL. And a little bit differently than normal, we're going to talk some pro wrestling. But we'll get there in a little bit. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I've got to be the one to update all of these teams. So we're going to do a a quick hitter for all of this on the local level and try to zoom through as fast as we can. Let's start with volleyball. We had three teams still alive coming into this week, or going into last week, I should say. Let me clarify that. They were Gatewood, Morgan County, and Lake Oconee Academy. We'll start with Gatewood. The Lady Spike Gators are done for the season. They finished with a 13-7 overall record after losing in the first round of the state playoffs to Oak Mountain Academy 3-1. Oak Mountain went all the way to the state final and uh, took a loss there. So if you're the Lady Spike Gators, you can at least hang your hat on the fact that uh, you, you lost to the state runner-up, so a uh, not not a terrible defeat there, but certainly they're disappointed that their season's over. This marks the end of the line for seniors McKay Hyatt, Abby Kay Moore, Isabella Stickley, and Claire Morris. For more on Gatewood Volleyball, check out this week's edition of the Eaton to Messenger for a full story from Trevor Bowden. Lake Oconee Academy's volleyball team has done as well. The Lady Titans finished with a 12-14 overall record after falling to Pepperell, or Pepperell, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but it's one or the other, in the first round of last week's GHS at Class A state tournament. That was a 3-1 to one victory uh, for Pepperell. And it was a very contentious battle. I've got a very uh, complete story about this inside Lake Dakota News this week. Highly recommend going to reading that and reading some more detailed breakdown of this match, but it was insane throughout, very, very close. Uh, The Lady Titans battled through some injuries, the most significant of which was a very noticeable ankle injury for Peyton Bussey, a junior. She tried to dive and and stop the ball from hitting the the floor and just kind of crumpled on top of her ankle. She tucked it out and played the rest of the match, never came off the floor, so really gutsy effort by the Lady Titans as a whole. But unfortunately, Pepperell was just a little bit too strong on Saturday, and that eliminated the Lady Titans in the first round. And as for LOA, it is losing seniors Reese Williams, Lauren Ellison, and Chloe Cosby. So uh, they'll certainly miss those three, but a positive there is they are only losing three seniors this year. So Lady Titans are looking to be right back to this level next season. And finally, Morgan County Volleyball made it deeper than any of our volleyball teams in the area. The Lady Dogs finished with a twenty two and twelve overall record. They knocked off North Murray in the first round of the playoffs three to nothing and then in the sweet sixteen they dropped a two one decision to Westminster and this marked Morgan's third straight year with a uh, with an appearance in the sweet sixteen so very 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 good run here lately for the lady dogs and uh, they'll hope to keep it going next year and if I'm not mistaken per their max Fretz page. They do not have any seniors on this year's team. So it looks like they'll be returning everybody next year. So certainly they'll hope to keep building on this year's success. Before we move on to some outside of Lake Country stuff, I guess we got to talk about football. It was a very busy week around Lake Country last Friday with mixed results across the board. Let's start with Nathaniel Green Academy. The Patriots fell to Cherokee Christian 37-12. That was on Homecoming night. Tonight, the Patriots are going to host David Emanuel Academy. This will be their season finisher. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think they will play next week. So uh, another football season is coming. Gone already in Salome. I'm planning to be at that game tonight, and we'll provide full coverage of that next week. Greene County lost to Lincoln County, 49-13, on Senior Night. Very tough loss there for the Tigers. Tonight, they travel to Aquinas, which is 6-1. That one loss, kind of a surprise to me. Uh, The fighting Irish fell last week to Hancock Central in overtime, 22-14. Would not have expected that going in, but Aquinas is certainly looking to get back on the winning note, and the Tigers are looking to play spoiler for their uh, region standings. Putnam County defeated Social Circle 49-14. That improved the War Eagles record to three and four overall. And they are actually on a winning streak now. They had defeated Monticello the week before 24-21. This is Putnam's first winning streak since September 2017 when they opened that season 3-0. So uh, they're starting to build a little momentum here. Tonight they traveled to Banks County for another major region tilt. Gatewood football had a long road trip down to Southwest Georgia Academy and made the most of it with a 34 to 20 victory. I wanna point out really quick, Bryce Johnson absolutely stole the show in this game. He caught two touchdowns and recorded a third score on a 97 yard pick six, if I'm not mistaken, very long interception return. And he had another interception to go with it. So he was an absolute stud last Friday as the Gators rolled past Southwest Georgia. Tonight they're celebrating homecoming as they get ready to host Memorial Day School. And finally, Morgan football took its second loss of the year last Friday at Jefferson, dropping that game 47-12. I was at the game. It was close at halftime. I think it was just 14-6. Jefferson, though, stopped a a last-second attempt by Morgan to score a touchdown at the end of that first half. And it, it pretty much opened up the floodgates after that, I feel like. It seemed like, at least, Morgan kind of got down after that. And I've got a story in this week's paper, and head coach Bill Malone pretty much told me the same thing, that it, it was a big deal, bigger deal than it probably should have been. And I just got to say, that score, 47-12, very deceptive. That was a very close game for a long time. And Jefferson just kind of broke him and, and wore him down as it went on to the tune of 419 yards rushing, just an incredible Display of rushing by Jefferson with the triple option offense. The the dogs are off tonight and next week they return as they take on East Jackson on the road. So the the Bulldogs have to deal with that loss for a couple weeks here, but uh, certainly they'll want to get back on winning note next Friday. Well, this is any of Friday the official Podcast of Lake Country Sports, our tenth episode of season three. We are here at the end of October, just a week out from Halloween. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're doing things a little bit differently here on Any Given Friday this week. I was very clearly by myself for the duration of our high school sports segment, but now I get to bring in Will Petty, editor of the Ball Bulletin. It's just you and me today, Will. Yeah, no, it's, Uh, It's a little bit different, right? A little bit different. Yeah, I'd say so. But it also gives us the opportunity to talk about our guilty pleasure. Wrestling. Hey, I'm not. I don't feel guilty, about pro it. Wraps. I love pro wrestling, man. <laughs> pro grabs. Yeah, we we the last two years have recorded a WrestleMania preview show just the two of us, yeah. and that's the only time we're ever just here together, just us two. So we sometimes hand about the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll throw some references here and there, but uh, let's take a few minutes today. I don't want to go too too long on this because we got some football business to handle. But let's talk about the WWE and AEW and the the current, I want to call it a boom period of professional wrestling in the United States of America. Let's start with the recent WWE draft where SmackDown went to Fox on Friday nights, Raw stayed on Monday on USA. How did you feel that everything went throughout those two nights with the draft and how are you feeling with the WWE product as a whole today? Well, you know, I just thought that it was a little bit too flashy, but you know what? It kind of had shades like WrestleMania 2 where we just need to have famous people here and like show that it's a big deal and whatnot. You're talking about SmackDown premiere? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. talking about the, the draft too. Okay. You know, but, uh, you know, just going down the list, I think that, uh, you know, there wasn't really that many surprises. I mean, Randy Orton... Uh, goes back to Raw, uh social Bates goes to SmackDown. I mean, yeah, goes to SmackDown. Um Strowman's at SmackDown. You know, they just seem to maybe add a few more people to SmackDown to kind of really get um just to have to balance out the the star studdedness of each show just given the fact that they're now on Fox. Now that I think is a great move. I I don't know why this hasn't happened sooner I do wonder why they put the quote-unquote B show on the A network. Uh, I mean, I guess because, you know, USA Today and Raw have just kind of been like that for years. Sure. But it makes you wonder, you know, if down the road are they going to switch up? What's the dominant show and what's not the dominant show? You know, how how's that all going to work out? I think that's something that we're still waiting to really see. Well, uh, to answer your—or your, not to answer, but to, I guess, react to your two points— um, there was one shock from this draft, and it was the fact that Becky Lynch is on Monday Night Raw. She was all over the advertisements pre-draft, pre SmackDown on Fox. She was the very first active competitor, or very first person, period, that we saw on SmackDown on Fox after they had the McMahon's come out and welcome everybody. I was stunned when she was you know selected to to Monday Night Raw. I understand she is the Raw Women's Champion. But it kind of goes back to the Hell and a Cell pay-per-view. I'm surprised she didn't lose there and, and you know give her the flexibility to move to Friday night. So that was, to me, the only legit surprise in all of this. And as far as the Ace show goes, all reports indicate Vince McMahon is running SmackDown now. Paul Heyman has a lot more control of Raw, and I think it shows. Um, frankly, I've been very disappointed in SmackDown I feel like they knocked it out of the park with The Rock and Becky Lynch and Baron Corbin segment. I loved that. I loved every second of it. I've, I've re-watched it a couple of times. That was incredible, and it's been downhill ever since. They peaked they with the very first segment. <laughs> they jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is building to this stupid Crown jewel show coming up next week. And they're, they're shoehorning in the Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman angle along with Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. And I think once they get past this next week, they'll be okay. But for me right now, it's it's been kind of a convoluted mess. Uh, it certainly was during the draft. And I, I think Monday's Raw this past Monday was a lot better. It was a, a good step in the right direction. But uh, they've they got to find some consistency and put together better shows in my opinion. Yeah, well you know I'm just absolutely glad that uh, they did take the time at least to uh, make sure that our truth was going to go from SmackDown to Raw, and uh, I'm glad that Heath Slater, what they decided to keep him or to move him yep. to SmackDown as well and leave Raw. They're you know, clearly two very important <laughs> picks that everybody just needed to know about. You know what bothered me is officially, Gender Mahal was drafted, but Mandy Rose was not. I know that's just one example, but Mandy Rose is a star in the making. And, us and I got a soft spot for Mandy Rose, not going to lie. But <laughs> I, that that kind of stuff just kind of boggled my mind. Like, if this was a legit draft, some of the people who were selected in their, you know, third or fourth rounds, as they called it, would never have been drafted. But that's all done and over. we got to live with it now. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention. This Seth Rollins Bray Wyatt feud is all over the freaking place. I love what they've done with the Fiend. I don't know your reaction to that, but I, I love that character. I feel like they're they're teetering on the brink of blowing it with that. I, I don't want to see that continue in this direction. I, I feel like this past Monday or maybe the Monday before was a a better, um, I don't know, a better development, I guess you could say, with burning down the fire. What was the firehouse? Yeah. What do they call it? I, I, the Playhouse or Firefly? Firefly Funhouse. There yes. we go. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. I love it so much. It's the best part of any show that it's <laughs> on. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that gets corrected here pretty soon. And the last thing I wanted to mention about WWE specifically, man, I love the Street Profits. Yeah. They have they have captivated me from the beginning. I thought they were Crime Time the first time they popped up on Raw. I don't watch NXT, and I'll explain that in a minute. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, I want the smoke because I love these guys. Did you see Monday night, they had a match at the end of Raw, and after the match, they're making their way through the crowd, which is awesome in itself. Then Montez Ford grabs a baby. It starts bouncing up and down. The baby's just like giggling and laughing, having the time of his life. Did you see that? Yes. That was incredible. That is a moment that... I think it's going to make them even bigger stars. It's Montez a, Ford is. It was a be, very PG moment. Oh, I don't care. That was <laughs> awesome, man. That baby. He's dressed as Hulk Hogan, first of all. So, so good job by the parenting there. But um, that was that was just so much fun, and the baby re- reacted perfectly. If he had cried, we wouldn't be talking about it nearly as much as we are. Or we even yeah, it? Yeah, it yeah, it would have been laughing about it. Yeah, it would have been That moment just endeared the Street Profits to me even more. Montez Ford is going to be a major player for years to come. But that's all I wanted to say about WWE. I don't know if you got anything else. Well, why, do you want to talk about the Crown Jewel real quick? We Maybe can. Some, some of the different things. coming up in. Thursday, correct? October yeah, 31st. Yep. Yeah. Team Hogan and Team Flair coming up on ten tag or 10-man tag team match. You know, so I I angle a lot. I tend to hate these type of matches. Yeah, I don't have any inclination to care about this match. It's just, you know, the only time I ever saw a match like that actually do well was when you had the Nexus and John Cena brought out, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan to come help out with all that. Yeah. That's the one time where that was, you know, worth anything. Um you know, I think the big or the big match I'm interested in really is just Lesnar and Villequiz. Um Just see how that goes. Yeah, I don't know what they're they're playing with Velasquez there. I, I think he's probably going to be around for a while. Tyson Fury is just a one off. Yeah. Um, but listen, I'm a pro wrestling fan. I don't care about boxing. I don't care about UFC. So it doesn't. It does nothing to move my needle. I'm just ready to get past this show and, and focus mm-hmm. back on the. The pro wrestling side of things. Yeah, and I'm also going to say I hate the team name, the Viking Raiders. It's like Vince McMahon has just discovered the NFL. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> makes, makes, me, makes me a little bit worried about the XFL <laughs> next year, but oof. But, uh, you know, do we have any idea who's going to be in the 20-man Bell royal yet? I didn't names? even know there was a 20-man battle. Yeah, basically what they're going to do, this is, this is just pure genius on their part, by the way. Um... 20 man battle royal. you rolled your eyes did you say that sarcastically yes or okay very sarcastically the winner will face AJ Styles as soon as the battle royal is done wow okay so that tells you it's probably going to be 5 minutes long yeah which is crazy with 20 men in it but wow and I'm guessing half of them are jobbers probably and they're not going to be AJ Styles I bet bet he Slater will show up in this match he's got kids yeah He needs that that Saudi money. (sighs) So, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not too enthusiastic about the crown jewel this year. Um, You know, I I am interested in Rollins versus Wyatt. I am interested in the Lesnar match. But beyond that, I mean, it just all seems to be a joke. Oh, it it always is. And have you noticed there's no women's match at all? Well, there never is. They're not allowed to compete in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I know. That's 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 part of the reason WWE should never have made this agreement with that that country to come over there and bow to their every need. I know we don't talk politics on given Friday, but we're talking it with this. We have to. It's the elephant in the room, and WWE just completely ignores it. Um, It's a shame on them for taking taking the money for these stupid shows. Not only is it completely immoral to support in any way what Saudi Arabia does as a whole. But it brings down the television product every week, as we were just discussing. And it's a slap in the face to the women who yeah. work their tails off. Yeah, to some women's evolution quality right. product, you know. So All okay, right, let's talk about <laughs> another brand. Yeah, actually, we got we got to keep this thing moving. Blow in WWE out of the water right now. So. I wouldn't go that far, but. Yeah, let's talk about All Elite Wrestling. AEW. No no longer a t-shirt company. That's right. This is a true wrestling company now. They got the bubbly. (laughs) Le Champion. What (laughs) have you thought about the first, what is it now, four episodes of AEW? And how do you think it compares to NXT Live? Well, you know, not just NXT Live, but any of the other uh, shows in the brand, I, I find myself just paying a lot more attention to AEW. I think that uh, they're more innovative. Uh, I love the fact that Jim Ross is back. That, to me, is just, you know, thank you, Jesus, for <laughs> giving that man a commentator spot again. Uh, I think uh, Tony Schiavone is on there, too, right? Tony Schiavone is absolutely killing it. Yeah, so he, I prefer uh, him right now over Jim Ross. So, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got two legends coming. Legends, Tony, yeah. yes. Uh, you know, his caliber's not bad. I had no clue who he was coming in. He's not bad either. Yeah, and and you know, who, who else would do just take something and turn it into gold than Cody? I mean, that's yeah. what that's what he does. That's what he did in WWE. That's what he's doing now. Yeah. Cody he, Rhodes. Yeah, We're allowed but, to say that yeah. the AEW's not, but we can. Yeah, though. he <laughs> can go from just. You, know, you can. I mean, look at look back in WWE when he had like his face broken, and they yep. gave him a mask, and like they did dashing Cody Rhodes, and yep. I mean everything on that end is just brilliant. And of course, having him being the quote unquote sort of face of this company, uh, bringing in a name like Jericho, who just you just let him loose. He he's not being constrained brilliant. at all. I mean. Thank you, Lord, for letting him say, give, "Give that man as much mic time as he yep. wants." I mean, he's gonna give y'all plenty of t-shirts to sell. <laughs> uh, but you know, all that aside, you know, I I do see a little bit of a talent disparity. Clearly, the uh, WWE still has the majority of the better talent. Uh, some of the talent that. Uh, AEW's brought in I've just not really been that impressed with uh, especially you know Les Champions Entourage I don't I don't like the tag team that's part of that and the one guy that acts like a pit bull and he's like always panting and like sticking his tongue out both sides <laughs> I, I, I that doesn't do much for me um and I don't know what I mean I just think that that in time I think as more and more people start to move I, I think we're going to see a real battle but obviously getting you know the commentators where they're at now getting you know the star power that you have I mean you I mean, you got top tier stars it's just you need to start going in the mid tier and all that and starting to really get it it's organized it's top heavy yeah cuz I listen I'm a pro wrestler fan I'm a WWE fan yeah. If it's not on WWE, I have not seen it outside of AEW. I didn't watch TNA. I guess they're still going. I don't watch TNA. Isn't that Billy Corgan's company? It? It's, <laughs> it's obviously been about 10 years since I watched an episode of TNA. Hulk Hogan was on the last episode I watched. So that tells you how long it's been. Um, they, they got to figure out a way to build stars. I think they're doing that, and that brings it to the main point I wanted to make. I've watched both NXT and AEW. I came in cold to both of them. No, I know NXT is supposedly the best brand on the planet. I've never really watched it. If it's not on my television, I can't watch it, and I'm not gonna watch it. So I've been watching ever since they went live. NXT by far has better wrestling than AEW. Better in-ring stuff, but the storytelling is is lacking a little bit. They've gotten better, I would say, the last week or two with some promos and some video packages. Those have been good, but by and large, outside of knowing these people's names, I don't know anything about anybody in NXT outside of the Undisputed Era, which is Adam Cole and a few other guys. I can't think of their names. Roderick Strong and the the tag team there, Um, Gargato, Tommaso Ciampa, Shayna Baszler, and Finn Balor. I think bringing in Finn Balor is just, a shortcut of storytelling because they know this newer audience knows Finn Balor. Yeah. We need more than that. Right. Um, I think they've done some good stuff with Velveteen Dream. I like him, um, but they they got to figure out a way to tell us who these people are. I know it's always been a wrestling-heavy show. I get that. But tell us who they are. Let us latch on to them and understand these people as characters and then... Go wrestling heavy. Give me some packages. Me, give me some promos. It also Tell me who be. they are. It also would have helped if maybe they had NXT be part of the draft. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know if it would I think it would have made this worse. Because that was a very convoluted draft in my opinion. But, you know, you could have. You know, it would gave you an opportunity to give reasons to maybe give a couple more superstars. A route to there to really build that to put them on right, right, Right. and and have it seriously be some sort of competition with AEW right now. I mean, this is why it's always happened with his C shows. Like he's gonna go up against a you know an A show that's just way stronger, and it's gonna go back into oblivion. I mean, mean, right now I think the goal of NXT is to keep AEW at 100 million average and not let that audience grow. I think I don't think they're necessarily trying to compete or beat them. I think they're just trying to, to hold them down a little bit. They're succeeding at that, but I get your point. There, it At some point, AEW's really going to start pulling a hit, I think. Yeah, and at some point, AEW's probably going to leave Wednesday, I would think. Oh yeah, long long ways down the road, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the difference between these two. AEW's telling really good stories. I agree, It's it's mostly with those top guys. They need to tell us some more about these other people, but they've got this tag team tournament, so they have to have time for that. Maybe once they get that settled and get you know, their, their legs completely under them, we will get better storytelling for the lower guys. Are you but, thinking that it's more just like they are trying to get the belts situated? I in, think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, but, yeah, I love the inner circle, as they call themselves, with Chris Jericho and company. I love those guys with him. I think he makes the difference, and so that's been a brilliant uh, combination. The Cody Rhodes stuff is great. John Moxley's great. I just, by the way, Justin Roberts, I love you. Glad to see you back on my television. But please stop pronouncing it, John Moxley. I hate that. it's it's so great. He's he's fantastic. Outside of that, Uh, they got to do a better job presenting Kenny Omega because allegedly he's the best wrestler on the planet. He does not look like it right now in AEW on television, at least. Uh, outside of that, I don't really have any complaints. Uh, I feel like they, they've done a pretty good job. The first show wasn't great, but they've gotten a lot better. Oh yeah. Okay. We, we spent way too long talking about professional wrestling. Uh, we, we were very excited to include that on this week's show. Let's, let's talk about what people would consider real sports now. Um, even though I... believe the a, Browns were at the side of the ring. You know, <laughs> that's on. true. That's true. We could chew on that in. All right, we're about halfway through the NFL season. I know it doesn't light up for everybody because of bye weeks and everything, but we'll call this the halfway point uh, coming into this week. You're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. What is your halfway grade on you know, A to F level you know, for the, your Pittsburgh Steelers? In the first few weeks, I was saying F. I mean, come on, you saw how horrendous yeah. that game was against the Patriots. Yeah, that was not good. Right now they're sitting at 2-4, and four, which is not great. But, you know, you look at some of these losses they had. I mean, 28-26 to 26 to the Seahawks. That's not, you know, that's not what we thought it would be. Uh, a four-point loss to San Fran. I mean, that's not horrible either. You know, you, you, you look at this, and a lot of these games, they could very easily be 4-2 right now instead of 2-4. Um, so, I'm going to say that right now they are at a seat. Uh, you know, they got the Dolphins this Monday, and I'm pretty sure that's gonna go about how we all think it will go. And you know, it's, it's about to be a do or die for them. I mean, even with the Ravens, they almost beat the Ravens. Um, so let's just you know, I'm 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 being cautiously optimistic now. Obviously, the first half of that schedule has been just brutal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe what my gut was going into the season is going to turn out being right. You know, I I think they're still def- very much in the playoff hunt, they're very much in the division hunt. Um, you know, Cleveland has kind of been disappointing. Uh, they exposed Baltimore. I'll probably go one on one with them. The Bengals are a laughing stock. So, you know, I'm not expecting anything extravagant, but, you know, Maybe make a wild card appearance. That, that's not out of their own possibility for them. Yeah, as for my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> exactly opposite. Through the th- first three weeks, I would have said A+. But they had a three-game skid in which uh, they lost to who? The Saints, the Packers. And Jets. And the Jets, somehow. Uh, so they're 4-3 and three coming into this week. Okay, they're, they're on a the bye this week. I got to give the Cowboys a B. Uh, those first three weeks were amazing, and this past week was a very good effort by them to really dismantle the Eagles. It was probably closer on the scoreboard than it should have been, but they, without a doubt, it was a resounding win that they absolutely needed. It approved them to 4 and 3. They lead the NFC East. There's not a lot of wiggle room moving forward. Uh, those three losses were pretty pretty bad because they should have won, could have won all of those games. Even though Green Bay had that huge halftime lead, they almost came back and won it. Almost did the same thing against the Jets. Losing to the Jets is inexcusable, uh, but I, I can't be too too upset because I feel like they are moving in, in a positive direction now. They obviously rectified their. Yeah. issues. Yeah, if they had lost this past week, you're looking at a C minus, maybe even a D. Uh but they they got on the right track again Sunday night. So I'm I'm feeling a little more positive about them now, but they still have a lot of work to do if they're going to uh win this division. I think they'll win the division, but if they if they'll do something in the playoffs for once. Hey Trevor, how are the Atlanta Falcons? Oh, they lost. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> wow. I, I they talk were, about a train wreck. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing positive to say, literally, nothing. The only winner of the whole thing is Muhammad Sanu. Yeah, Sanu went to bed, what, Monday night? Yeah, one well, six or something like that. Woke up seven yeah. and oh. Yep, that's got to be a great feeling. Congrats to him for getting out of this horrible organization. Yeah, um. The Falcons are trash. They, they really are, and like I don't, I, I don't know if anything can save though I think they're beyond the point of no return. Yeah, they're well. I mean, trading Sanu is the white flag because they now they are going to be in a rebuild mode. I think Quinn will be gone. I think the GM—I can never pronounce his name right—he's uh, going to be gone. They're about to hit the reset button. Yeah. And it's it's going to be an ugly two or three years. But them. a lot of things that are problematic, I would not say Sanu was a problem. No. I would not say Ryan. But you get the draft pick. Yeah. That's what they're doing. A it's, second round draft pick. They stole that draft pick. Sanu's good, but I, he's not that good. There are so many Falcons fans who reacted to that news. Like, oh, my God, what are they doing? it? need to trade Vic Beasley. I need to do this, do this. They're not making that move to win. They're making that move to set themselves up for the future yeah um so yeah understand the the current climate with your team before you react to a trade like that it ain't gonna be good they're they're gonna be bad for a long time to come I think well I mean look at the 80s that's <laughs> true they're just you know they're averaging out that's all it is they're going back to the normal <laughs> okay let's talk about this week's games really quick the Carolina Panthers your favorite team outside the Steelers. <laughs> Uh, you're funny. <laughs> they are 4 and 2 traveling to the 6 and 0 San Francisco 49ers. Who you got? I got the 49ers and I'm gonna, I just hope they just pile it on them, touchdown after touchdown <laughs> after touchdown. Uh you know, I would I would just love to see a three-digit game to zero. But that's not <laughs> going to happen. Uh, I I think that uh San Francisco's gonna keep doing what they've been doing, though, and I think they're gonna come out and win this one pretty handily. I'm gonna save, uh San Fran by 24. The Niners' defense is looking like a Super Bowl defense. Yeah, um, their offense is looking like a Super Bowl offense too. I, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. They they only scored nine against a bad Washington team. Uh, they won that yeah, one. Yeah, but look team. at the circumstances in that one, which we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. But, but um, so I, I'm gonna pump the brakes on that. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're. They are more than good enough to beat Carolina. Carolina, to their credit, they're on a four-game winning streak. Kyle Allen looks pretty good at quarterback. They're not winning this game on the road. 24-10, 49ers. I just, one, this I just can't wait to see everybody in Charlotte crying. <laughs> well, you know, another game we got coming up is the uh, Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs are going to be without Mahomes. Who you got in this one? I don't know that they're going to be without Mahomes. He practiced Wednesday. You think so? I I don't think he plays, but, you know, he was out there. I, I don't know. There, that is a major question mark right now. Um, all I know for sure about Mahomes is that completely wrecked one of my fantasy teams last week. I know it did for you as well. I still came out with a dub. but Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was doomed. I was, I, there was no way I could make it up. Uh, I played a team that was 0-6. So Okay. Yeah. And in my other league, my, I was playing my brother. He has my homes. So that helped me beat him. I still only barely beat him somehow. But, yeah, that was insane. That was, what, Thursday night last week? Yeah. So, can we just, before we go on to picking this game, can we talk about how much of an idiot Andy Reid is? I I've not seen the play. I know where you're going. I haven't seen the play. I don't know what the situation was, but it yeah, was a fourth, quarterback, quarterback sneak. sneak with. So it is fourth down. They are in the red zone. They're up ten to six. They're going up against a Bronco defense that you know, with exception of Von Miller, is just not good. You know, clearly you're going to come out and you're going to win this game. Why not just kick the field goal? Yeah. It just seemed irresponsible to give it to your quarterback, who you know has an ankle injury, and just let you know thousands of pounds get clobbered on top of him. Yeah. It's just not... Well, you saw the result. It knocked his kneecap out of place. Yeah. And, um, and they popped it back on in on TV. Yep. Yeah. And he he did practice on Wednesday. There was no footage of him throwing the ball, but... He was he was limping pretty good, doing little handoff plays. So I doubt he plays. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. I got Minshew just to be safe. Yeah, I picked up Matt Stafford against you this week, so we'll see. I hope we'll see if that pays off for me. Okay, so yeah, um, even if he doesn't play, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this saying that Mahomes will not play. So they got Matt Moore coming in. I, I'm not too familiar with him as a quarterback. I mean, he managed a game. Yeah. Uh, and, and let's be honest, it's not like this team was all Pat Mahomes. Right. They've got a lot of playmakers out there. So Moore is set up. If you're going to come in as a backup and try to beat a team, a good team like Green Bay, I think Kansas City might be your best option with all the playmakers they've got. And they got home field advantage. It's I the familiar to Saints. Yeah. I think it'll be a close game. Uh I hate I hate to pick against them uh, because I feel like this is a great opportunity for Green Bay to go get a ro- go steal a road win. Because I think if Mahomes were healthy, they wouldn't win this game. I'm still gonna pick Kansas City in a tight one, 28-24, but I I'm I'm kind of gonna hedge. I won't be shocked if Green Bay wins because Rodgers is playing well and Aaron Jones is played very well too. So I, I'm I'm struggling on this one, but I'm gonna pick Kansas City simply because it's Arrowhead. Well, you know, we'll go with Green Bay. Reason being, you know, yeah, Arrowhead is a big deal, but they've lost two games at Arrowhead with Mahomes That's behind true. the rain. I mean, they lost to the Texans, they lost to the Colts. Um, so you know, I would I would venture to guess that the Packers are significantly stronger than either one of those two squads. Um. I don't know that significantly, but okay. Yeah. Um you know, Rodgers is coming off a just how how do we even put it? I mean, he looked like a superhero out there last week. Just a, against the Raiders, but like five touchdowns. Yeah. One rushing touchdown. Over four hundred yards. He looked like he was playing the Cowboys. I just think he's absolutely on fire. I think that they are going to be riding that momentum. Um you know, they, they've been strong all season long. I I just don't think that Kansas City is going to be able to maintain anything against them. Um, you know, we'll see. I could be wrong. I've been wrong a lot. But um, I, I like uh, Green Bay by 13. Yeah, no result in this game is going to surprise me, I don't think. Uh, the next one we're going to discuss, though, would be a surprise. No, it would be a shock if it goes... Uh, in favor of one of these teams. And that's because the winless 0-6 Miami Dolphins are going up to Pittsburgh to take on your Steelers, who are 2-4, as you said earlier. ESPN, and I don't give a crap about this stuff normally, but I thought this was hilarious. ESPN's matchup predictor is giving Pittsburgh a 90.1% chance of winning this game. Well, that's kind (laughs) of low. So, Well, you said it's kind of low, so... How big of a win do you think it's going to be for Pittsburgh? You know, as I mentioned earlier, yeah, Pittsburgh has not looked great, but you look at who they've had to play throughout the season. I mean, they lost to, like I said, they lost to Seattle by two, lost to San Francisco by four. Narrowly lost, or it was an overtime loss to um, Baltimore. So, you know, I, I think that they're better than what their record says, and the Dolphins are just hot trash. <laughs> um The only thing that I kind of wondered that was like, in what person's mind was this is gonna be a Monday Night Football game people are gonna like? I mean, outside of maybe just you know, like you got Dolphins fans across the nation who necessarily don't get the games because of blackouts. You got Steelers fans and you know throughout the nation that don't get Steelers games for the same reason. I mean, is that why they decided that this is? I don't know. I mean it just that's the only thing I can think about as far as like why this would even be a Monday night game. Yeah, um Pittsburgh's gonna win, obviously. You're gonna be watching Raw. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna care one lick about this game. I'm gonna be waiting to see whether Rusev gets back with Lana. Uh <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that storyline is just so so good. It's so bad that it's good. Um I think Pittsburgh's offense still Is a little too inconsistent To expect a, a technical Blowout I think they went easily though 27-14 Just get this game over with Yeah, And get the Steelers back on some sort of streak Alright well our last segment This week is going to be As always college football We got a couple of topics we want to talk about Before we get into this week's Predictions Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Alabama side of this game, but Bama beat Tennessee last week, what, 35-13, something like that? Right. Uh, There was one play you wanted to discuss, Will. A lot of people are discussing it on the internet this week. I didn't watch the game, and I already, even I know what happened. So it it tells you how, how big of a deal this has been on social media, but... Uh talk to us about Jarrett Garantano's attempt at a quarterback sneak on the goal line. Yes, he attempted a quarterback sneak on the goal line, he fumbled the ball, uh Alabama scooped and scored and ran at hundred and one yards back. Uh but of course, you know, that that's embarrassing enough. But uh the thing that everybody is talking about is Jeremy Pruitt's reaction to it and how he grabbed, you know, Garantano's face mask and yanked at it, you know. And now, granted, there's certain opinions on how hard he yanked and stuff like that. And just that it wasn't very really professional for a coach. There's some people that think that he should have been fined for it. Others think he should have been fired. Others thought that if a referee saw it, they should have threw a flag on him. You know, just all sorts of bizarre responses to uh that action. uh way I look at it is is it unprofessional? Yeah, you, you under no circumstance should you tug at a player's face mask. You know, this ain't 1960s anymore. Things have moved on. But, uh, you know, last year, uh, Jimbo Fisher did the very same thing. Uh, there's been other times where coaches have gotten riled up and, you know, smacked the player's helmets and stuff like that. The issue that I'm now having is it seems like the media is going absolutely berserk on this instance. And... I'm wondering if they're trying to do what they do a lot of times, which is try to take the needle and move it to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Because what it seems like to me now is we're about to get to a point where the SEC is going to make some sort of decision on this, on how, you know, what, if any repercussions should go in the future when these things happen. I don't like that. I don't think they should. But, the more it's being talked about, and the more that has happened, I mean, this is the second time in two years in the SEC, do you see that becoming something that they have to talk about, where if a coach does that, they'll be fined, or they'll be assessed the penalty, or they could be, you know, suspended from the sidelines for a game, you know? It's not going to go to a penalty, because the officiating the crews are different every week, and... Yeah, I know. Most of the time, you got two SEC teams playing each other, so you have an SEC crew. But yeah, yeah. You get my point there. They could if they play an ACC opponent, who's who's going to be the referee? So I don't think that's going to be part of it. Um, there might be a fine at some point for physically, you know, grabbing the face mask or you know, punching or whatever. I think that would be okay, but this is football, man. Yeah. Um, I'm on the sideline every Friday night this time of year. This stuff happens all the time. It's how football has always been, how it's always gonna be. And I don't think you're gonna see this kind of coaching go away. And let's let's not negate the fact that Garrett Tano or Tano, whatever he prefers to be called, um, completely ignored the play call. Yes, it should. Jordan Rodgers, listen, listen. I know there are a lot of folks who don't care. About a guy like Jordan Rodgers because he just went to Vanderbilt or however you want to discredit him. He's a smart guy when it comes to football. No, he was not a great quarterback. No, he would never uh, be remembered compared to you know, the Tebos, the Tua's, or anybody like that. He knows what he's talking about, though, and he's a really good broadcaster. He broke down that play and showed exactly what it was supposed to be it's supposed to be a handoff to the left with two lineman pulling to the left and the, the fullback going ahead and blocking whoever would have been left or gotten loose from the other block. It should have been a walk in touchdown. It would have made this game a lot closer. Instead, Garrett Tito completely ignored that, tried to take the ball himself and score and be the hero. He had it coming. Yeah. There was there's no denying that Pruitt should have and was um all right. Was was warranted in his reaction to that. and Maybe he took it a little too far, but to me that's that's the point here. Garrett Tano went against what the coaches wanted him to do and it completely backfired. It ain't that he got stuffed. If he got stuffed, it would have been one thing. But like you said, it led to a 100-yard fumble return for a touchdown. You can't do that. So okay, the other side of this game. Was the fact that Tua Tagovailoa got injured with an ankle issue. I'm not sure exactly what happened. He did have surgery. He's out for this week's game against Arkansas. I think they've got a bye, and then the week after that they play LSU. Wee, <laughs> Um Should Alabama be worried about this? You know, yes and no. They're fortunate that it is Arkansas that's coming up next. That's just... Pure, you know, luck and happenstance on their part. I mean, they essentially have two weeks. Yeah. If we're being brutally honest. Right. Uh, and then you can also say that you know they can't really prepare for a backup quarterback. But you're also having a backup quarterback go in and start at a game, you know, at a SEC caliber game, you know, first time ever doing it. So I mean, there's some intimidation there. I, I don't, you know, I think that the game's gonna be a lot closer than maybe what it would have been otherwise. Uh, But, you know, I'd be worried. Let's let's see how everything works out. You know, obviously everybody in Tuscaloosa and throughout this deep south have their eyes glued on TV waiting to find out if, you know, Tua's going to be able to come back in time for LSU. Because if he's not back in time for LSU, LSU wins this game by at least 10 points. Tua is the factor in that game. But, uh, you know, right now, just take it a week at a time. That's all you can really do. Yeah, it sounds hopeful that he'll be okay in the short term. You don't want to rush him back. But, again, they've got two full weeks to get him healthy and um, also two full weeks if you can't play to get Matt Jones ready. Uh, He's the backup quarterback. I don't know if you saw this, but earlier this week, Lane Kiffin was interviewed about Matt Jones. He compared him to Jake Fromm as far as – a game manager in the good sense that he knows exactly what's going on on the football field at all times. He's not going to make the dumb decisions. He's going to keep you in the game. And I think that's a a huge encouragement for Alabama. Another reason Lane Kiffin was asked about this is because he recruited Matt Jones. Right. Let's point that out real quick. Kiffin. Plus, it's Alabama. They're loaded. They could hand the ball off 50 times a game and win. And, and, Listen, you can have an average quarterback behind there because they've got above average wide receivers all over the place. Arguably, arguably they've got the best receiving core in all of college football. Maybe LSU's a little bit better. I don't really know, but regardless, Bama's got some studs. I think they would be okay even against LSU, honestly. Uh, again, we'll, we'll talk about that game when we get ready to see it play, but just a quick preview. I, I think uh Bama's offense is loaded enough to compete with anybody even with Matt Jones instead of Tua at quarterback to me the, their biggest issue is their defense right now they're allowing 321 yards per game that's not good um that is not what we're accustomed to seeing from Alabama so I think if they get into a shootout without Tua yeah they need to be concerned but if they can make some defensive plays against Arkansas or against LSU or against anybody else after that if Tua's injury takes longer than expected yeah they're going to be they're going to be uh a little bit more concerned i think we don't have a Georgia game to predict this week but uh the dogs are coming off a win i don't i don't know if you know that will because the way all the chatter on social media has been, they got killed by Kentucky Saturday. Night. They they just should be ashamed of themselves. I, I'm yeah. telling you, how dare they beat a team by three touchdowns and shut them out? Yeah, in um, the rain. In the rain, yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you and I are on the same page on this, but are you at all worried about Georgia? At least, are you worried to the extent that most of the fan base seems to be about how putrid the offense looks Saturday night? I'm worried about Georgia. Because of who we have coming up ahead, you know, we got um, Florida, we have Auburn, we have A&M, Yeah, even Missouri could pose a challenge at this point, you know, so I am worried in that regard, but you know, the way that the game with Kentucky was played, it was played just fine, you know, I think everybody was stressing out that first half, I'm, I mean, I'm sure even you were stressed out the first half with just... How everything was going, but it was the right way to call it. You know, you play super conservative. You don't want to give up points because of the rain. You don't know. You know, you already know how From handles the ball in the rain. You don't want to give any more opportunity for a mishap than you need to give. So, you know, I think what we saw was a lot of confidence by Kirby on something that Saban does not have confidence in right now. That's defense. Yep. You know, they they knew that they could hold on Kentucky. They knew they could. Handled them pretty well, and so given the environment and the circumstances of that game, no, I wasn't worried. I thought they did fine. Florida, that's a whole different story. We're gonna have a completely different environment there. You know, I I do want to see. Yeah, you know, I, I think from is going to have to air it out against them. I just think that we can't rely on the run anymore the way we have. You know, and I'm not saying Georgia's one dimensional, but we, you and I both know that it's about. Seventy percent run, thirty percent pass. And you know, if they're gonna keep stacking in the box, we gotta be able to expose that. Um, so I still think Georgia comes ahead and beats Florida, but I think that it's gonna to to be a completely different style of play. Yeah, the the performance they had last week will not beat Florida. Right. But they weren't playing Florida. And, you know, and and, it, think... and, and and it was Florida in that weather, then Maybe it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen <laughs> again. Georgia beat an SEC team by twenty-one. Points. A ten-win SEC team. Well, coming off a ten-win yeah. SEC team. Uh, in pouring down rain, steady rain. I don't know if it necessarily poured, but it was not good weather. Um, listen, listen, listen. They won. They won convincingly, in my opinion. The defense looked great. Kirby this week said otherwise, but I think he's just trying to deter some of the tension. Some saying? of the attention, I should say. Um, they're okay. They, I think a lot of the fan base needs to freaking chill out and understand that those were special circumstances Saturday night. 35 yards passing is horrible. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm not saying that, oh, it was all fine and dandy. They looked bad, but it was raining, and I would rather Georgia commit to the run and give DeAndre Swift a buck 79 and two TDs and win with his touchdowns and Herring's touchdown by three TDs instead of them try to throw the ball. Again, let me let me point this out, too, as I have in the past, to an inexperienced wide receiving core and risk Turnovers risk incompletions and risk you know holding themselves down even more and play a closer game against Kentucky or maybe even lose to Kentucky in a situation like that. They played it the right way. They got through this game with a win. It was a lot better than it could have been, and they're going to be okay. This offense is averaging 471 yards per game, and people are fussing about the offense. Mm-hmm. Listen. If they come out and call the way called plays the way they did Saturday against Florida, then we have an issue. As of today, Thursday, whatever day it is, the twenty fourth, they're okay. I think once they get through this bye week and maybe clean up some things from the last two weeks when they did not look as good as they had the weeks before, they'll be fine, they'll get settled. And I think once they beat Florida by three touchdowns, we're going to call it now. Once they beat Florida by three touchdowns, the fan base is going to mellow out a little bit, and all will be okay. Are the playoff hopes still there? Without question, yes, yes. They listen. If no, Georgia... no let me let me reword this. Are the playoff hopes still there? Do we do you still see them running the gauntlet, even the SEC championship, whether it be LSU, Bama? That's, That's what I mean. I'm not going to make a prediction on that, but that is what it will take. Yes. Yeah. And they got another win Saturday. So, yeah. The the I knew it was going to be like this as soon as they lost to South Carolina. Now fans are going to overreact to everything, as Georgia fans are wont to do. But, yeah. I mean, they are still firmly in the race. All they got to do is keep winning, and they are in. Well, let me let me ask this question, then. Okay. So... Georgia beats South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Georgia wins out. Georgia then loses to LSU or Alabama. Do they make the playoff? Whereas if Georgia, you know, comes out, you know, like having the loss there instead of SEC championship, is that better for Georgia or not? Because it depends, you know. On I guess you you mean well if if they had gone undefeated through the regular season and then lost in Atlanta. At that point, it's going to depend on what everybody else is doing. Right. Because if it's a situation like last year, no, they're not getting in. If, if Georgia had even beaten LSU last year, I still don't think it would have been in the Final Four because they still had that loss and they did, had not won the championship, the, the conference championship. Right. The, the conference titles are the most important element of the college football top four of all playoff top four, I should say. Or at so, least they should be. No, they are. Look at look at the history. Alabama's the only non-conference championship to get in ever in the last what five years that this has been around. Yeah, that's the blueprint. Win your conference, win all the games you're supposed to win, and have a good record. Yeah, I mean if Georgia were to lose to Florida and still make it to Atlanta and win there, maybe they don't get in. I don't know. I still think they have to win out and win the SEC. But, yeah, I think it's a lot better for Georgia to lose to South Carolina now and keep winning and win out and then make it there because you don't want to lose at the worst time. Plus, as far as their strength of schedule and their resume goes, people will have long forgotten about South Carolina if that does play out that way, if Georgia does win from here and win the SEC. We're not going to care about that South Carolina game. I mean, it's just like what Ohio State does. you know, them yeah. last year when they lost to – you know, put it behind you. Keep winning. Yeah. Granted, in that situation, it was a way worse loss. It was a blowout. Yeah. And that, you know, so that one made sense. But yeah, and I, I think I think that's really the main thing that people want to say because you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not so much freaking out about that loss to South Carolina. It's just. You know, can Kirby have his players ready to go week after week after week with this next three game gauntlet, which is going to be hectic? Well, they're getting a bye week at the perfect time. Yeah. They need this week off to evaluate, look themselves in the mirror, and hopefully get down to business of figuring out what it's going to take to call this offense the right way on a consistent basis. I've given them a pass on the play call from Saturday. But that doesn't excuse the bad play calling at South Carolina. Right. So I, I think they've got a lot of self evaluation to do. But things could be a lot worse. My my message to the fans who are you know acting like Scott the sky is falling, though, That's they need to just take a break. Yeah. Because they're not. It's not as bad as a lot of Georgia fans want to make it. We're seem. We're still a mind. one loss team, and yes. we still very much have a shot at win. And they're in. That's all it's going to tell. I, mean, I, I say that you know it's a lot easier said than done. But okay. Well, that took longer than I expected, but let's talk about a few games from this week, and we will call it a day. Number thirteen, Wisconsin is at number three, Ohio State at noon. Um, do you think the Buckeyes keep rolling, or do do the Badgers have something for? Them? I think the Badgers have something for them, and I think they're going to be hyped up. You know, they just got over that upset loss at Illinois, and uh, that Illinois came out and just. You know, surprise them. So I think that they're going to take that bump. They have a chance now to really prove their worth. They're not going to want to go in two losses in a row. And they really want to, you know, I think I think it'll be a tight game. But I think uh, Wisconsin definitely, even with that loss, has a struggle resume in Ohio State right now. So I'm going Wisconsin by seven. Either that loss last week is going to be the fire that Wisconsin needs. Or it's the wet blanket. Or it's going to be a further stumbling block for them. I don't really know how to call this one because on one hand, I look at Ohio State and I say they might be the most complete team in college football. They haven't played anybody, so that's the only reason I'm saying might. Uh, Justin Fields is playing very well. The offense is averaging almost 530 yards per game. That's insane. And then I look at the other side in Wisconsin. You know, They've got, a, they've got arguably the best running back in college football, and Jonathan Taylor, I think he probably is the best. And their defense is really, really good. They've had four shutouts this year. They're allowing less than 200 yards per game. I don't know how to call this one. Um, so I think I have to defer to home field advantage and the fact that Wisconsin just took a tough loss. I think they maybe will not get over that quickly enough to go on the road and beat with Ohio State. I think that if it, were, if it were in Wisconsin, maybe I would pick them. I probably would. But I'm going to take Ohio State. It will be a close one, though, 28-21. They're going to have to prove that they can beat a good defense this week. Wisconsin's like the mid-2000s Clemson. Right. I think that's a good comparison. And let's not forget, these teams are more than likely going to see each other again in the Big Ten Championship. That might be where Wisconsin uh, pulls the rug out from under them and disrupts Ohio State's quest for the college football playoff. But I think this week Ohio State's got him. I wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin wins. I want Wisconsin to win, but I, I really can't call this one. All right. Well, you know, there again we got this weekend. It's number eight, Notre Dame at number 19, Michigan. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be a not quite the match everybody thinks. They think it's going to be a close game. Not me. How about you? Um, I'm with the majority. If if the majority says it's going to be a close one, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm picking Michigan with the upset. It's at home in the big house. Their their season is lost from the perspective of the college football playoffs. So at this point, they they get a chance to maybe play spoiler for some of these other teams. Notre Dame is one of them. Notre Dame's out of the playoff, I think, anyway. But Michigan's defense is legit. They're allowing less than 284 yards per game. It's going to be low scoring. I think both defenses are going to come to play. Michigan is going to maybe get a defensive touchdown to to sort of give them the edge. The big question mark is Shea Patterson and Michigan's offense. So You can't trust them to do anything on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. With that said, I think home field plus Michigan's defense will be enough. It'll be a close one, though, 17-10 to 10 Wolverines. I've won Notre Dame, and I'm going by two touchdowns. I think that they are a more complete team, and I think this is going to be the moment. You know, we've we've heard about time and time again for years about Harbaugh's future. I think this is going to be the moment that defines what Harbaugh's future is. If if they can somehow come out here and get the win over Notre Dame and turn their season around and, you know, make a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe he stays. But I think if uh, Notre Dame comes out here and just wipes the floor with them and just embarrasses them in Ann Arbor... I think Harbaugh's gone, and uh, I think that's what's going to happen. I'm going Notre Dame 24-10. to Call it Baton Rouge for our last one. Number nine, Auburn is 6-1, and one, traveling to number two, LSU 7-0 and o record for the Tigers. Coach O, will your team be ready? Oh, I thought we going to go out there and we, you know, we, we saw how them Tigers and you know, Auburn, they go out there and they, they try to do what they can. But that uh, Florida defense, they, they really showed them out on that. Oh, man, and we went out there and we, we showed that we could beat Florida. So, I think that we're going to be really good. We're going to have our boys ready. You know, we play good. We want to play good. I think we're going to play pretty good and uh, go Tigers. Go Tigers is right. Auburn I... – I don't I'm not convinced they could stop Joe Burrow on the road. Um and as I said earlier, LSU's wide receiver is pretty dang good too. Burrow is currently playing like the Heisman favorite, in my opinion. I think if it were to be handed out today he would get it. And that's gonna be too much for Auburn to handle. I do have questions about LSU's defense, so I'll give Auburn a few points. But is going to win it fairly easily, 31-17. See, and I, I think the same thing. I think LSU really has this game. You know, I don't think that they're going to be looking ahead to Bama or anything like that. I think they understand Auburn comes first. And I think while it'll be tight for the first half, you know, they're going to pull away. Yeah, their DBs give up points. They're not DBU anymore. I'm sorry. That's just not a thing. But um, I think Auburn just... Auburn's hopes and Gus's dreams don't ride on this LSU game. It's going to ride on the Iron Bowl this year. And I just, you know, once again, I've said it from the get-go. I thought, LSU, or I thought Bama was going to lose two games. And these are the two teams I think will do it. And I think LSU is going to make a strong case as to why they'll be doing it sooner than later. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our show for this week. We'll be back next Friday, hopefully at full strength with all of us here. Uh, We'll talk about more Lake Country sports, and we'll talk about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party on next week's show as we prepare for Georgia, Florida. We gave you a little bit of a preview of that today, but we'll dive into it a little bit deeper next week. Until then, we hope you have a great weekend, and uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, we're going to go out there and win, them go, Thank you for listening to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Check back next week for another brand new episode.